Hey, Jim. Hey, Ralph. How you doing? I'm doing well today. Okay. I uh, see that we're blasting our listeners, so I'm going to turn the volume down a little tiny bit here. Okay, okay. that works. Okay. So I made a decision to turn the volume down. All right. How did you make that decision, Jim? Okay. Well, the it was an easy decision to make. We All could right. blast the eardrums of our listeners, or we could uh, uh, be kind. Be kind, yes. So that was, and it didn't cost me anything to do this. So okay. Was, there was no like response cost, and so it well, was easy to do. Here's uh, here's another way to think of that, Jim. Okay. A diagnosis, an action selection, and an implementation. Okay. So diagnosis was. We're the... blasting our listeners. Uh huh. Action selection, turn it down. Mm hmm. Implementation. We turned it down, or okay. you turned it down. Right. Now, that is the process that everybody goes through when they're making a decision, whether it's conscious or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Are we talking about decision-making today in our show? <laughs> I think we might be. <laughs> okay. So, let me give you an example here. Let's say um, you're married, you've got two kids, you're working on a job you have to commute to. So at the end of the workday, which has been frazzling, uh, you get in your car and you make your commute home. And it seems like everybody else on the road is deliberately trying to kill you. <laughs> okay, yeah. So you get home and you come in and all you want to do is, you know, kind of sit down, hang up your head, maybe have a coffee maybe have a drink, uh, and your wife, who has had uh, kind of a tough day herself, wants to talk about the kids, the school, etc., etc. Okay, and, and, and you're telling me that I've had a rough day and I probably, I'm not going to want to do this. Yeah, and uh -huh. you're probably saying, uh, okay, this is, uh, this is not good. The next thing you know, you're having a bit of a tiff. Okay. So between this hypothetical husband and wife, husband and wife, okay. yeah, they're at loggerheads. So one of the things that you can do about that, and you probably can't do it when both of you are edgy and have had tough days, but at some point you could sit down and say in a calm moment, um, so I'm going to write down my ideal day in terms of coming home. And I want you to write down your ideal day in terms of my coming home. Okay. Okay. Now, you, you can't talk in a vacuum. Okay. You so, know, I'm, the telephone is ringing right now, Ralph, oh. and I'm making a decision to answer it. Okay. So I'm gonna, Go ahead. I'm going to stop this for a second okay so we had a bit of a pause there as i answered the phone and you, you know why i answered the phone ralph you made a decision to. i did and uh, uh i do not answer the ringing of the phone like uh, pavlov's dog salivates i answer it because there's only one person that knows my phone number and that's <laughs> okay. my wife okay and so if she is calling in the middle of uh, psychology takeaway it must be pretty important so right. 
you know, that's, again, I made a, made a decision, but it was an easy decision. You know, it was not a, not a hard one. Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, Ralph, I got a, 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 what, three $20 bills here, and I got in my left hand, and I got two $20 bills in my right hand. Which, which hand do you want to choose for the money? Uh, your left hand. Okay, so easy decision, right? Easy decision. Okay. Where you are going with your scenario here is uh, a little bit more complicated. It's not necessarily an easy decision because we've got a husband and wife who are, uh, as you said, at loggerheads. They're, they're you know, maybe going to battle each other. And so with your scenario, you said, okay, I'll write down my perfect way of coming home, you would write down what you want. So why don't you continue with that? Okay, so what I was saying is you, you can't uh, have a discussion in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't resolve this problem unless you know what the other person desires mm -hmm. and they know what you desire. Mm -hmm. okay. okay, so maybe one of the things that you might say to your your hypothetical wife is, look, when I come home, give me 25 minutes to kind of chill out, chill out, and then we can talk about our day. Or, you know, I can tell you about my day and you can tell me about your day, and maybe there's some other problems that uh, I can help you with or you can help me with and we can work together cooperatively as a team. Okay, Would now you... she's going to come up with her list now, too. Yeah. Okay, and her list might include, when you come home, I'd like you to sit down and talk to me and you know, sort of let me decompress. So we got two alternatives here, and they're pretty far apart. Right. So you're going to have to come up with some kind of a what compromise, something that both of you can live with, and that is another phase of problem solving. That's the analysis phase. Yeah, okay. so the diagnosis here is that we each have different desires. Yeah. The action selection, let's say in an ideal world, you're going to say, what's our compromise? Yeah. How do we work this out that we have different desires? Yeah, just do it my way. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, all too often, <laughs> I think in interpersonal situations, that's where both parties are coming from. Yeah, you know, I see this with uh, not necessarily married couples, although I can see your scenario here, but I can see it with uh, uh, somebody interacting with their kids. You know, do it my way. Yeah. And that doesn't work very often. No. Uh, often uh, it does not and, work that way. And the other thing is you get, uh, and I don't know that this is always a bad thing, um, but because I say so. Mm -hmm. You know, why do I have to brush my teeth? Why do I have to go to bed at 8 o'clock? Mm -hmm. Because I say so. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a great tendency today on the part of some parents, not all of them, to try and be uh, friends with their child. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you can be a friend of a five-year-old but you can't be a friend of a five-year-old and be an effective parent. At mm -hmm. least you can't be a friend of a five-year-old uh, all of the time uh -huh. and be an effective parent. Okay, yeah. And we can talk about that at some that, you know, later that's date. That's a whole that different a, discussion. Yeah, that yeah. was a kind of a rabbit hole kind of thing. But yeah, so 
the context of making decisions is important. I'm going to get another one for you, Ralph. Okay. okay. Um, I got two things again. Over here on my right hand, I have the Hope Diamond. Okay. okay. And over here on my left hand, I have um, a uh, bottle of water. A good bottle of water. Okay. Fiji water, maybe. Right. Okay. So, which are you going to choose? The Hope Diamond on my right hand or the Fiji water in my left hand? Depends on how thirsty I am. Okay. Make, so it's, make the choice. Uh, I'm going to take the Hope Diamond. Okay. Again, logical, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, there's one thing I forgot to tell you, Ralph. What's that? You're in the middle of the Sahara Desert. It's about 120 degrees. There's no water around for miles and miles and miles. Okay. Hope Diamond or Fiji water? Fiji water. Okay. Context is everything, right? Or right. Context is something, not necessarily everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, we can talk about here is some decisions are programmed and some are non-programmed. Right. I mean, following orders is a decision that you would make. Suppose you were in a, an authoritarian country and someone says, you know, you know I jump ten, 10 times up and down. Yeah. You, you know the consequences of not jumping up and down 10 times. And so yeah. you, you do it. So that's a program thing, right? Right. Okay. So militaries uh, are the best example today, at least in the West, mm -hmm. of things you get programmed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, that. and for example, uh, you're a private first class and an officer walks by. You salute. You salute. Okay. You're programmed to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, um, I think we call that directive decision making. You, yeah. You've been directed to do certain things. I mean, um, you could make a decision to run a red light in your car. And you could, right. Even though the directed uh, uh, response is to do what? To stop. To stop. So you've now, got free will. You could run the, the red light, but you're going to do so at your own consequence. And that's what I meant earlier in terms of costing something. Yeah. You know, if, you, if something's going to cost you a lot, like your life, that's going to, I think, factor into what you're going to do. Yeah. And so one of the things we've got to talk about then is information inputs. Okay. So I chose the Hope Diamond because I know it's worth millions. Mm -hmm. But then when you told me that I was in the Sahara Desert, I chose the water. Right. I had a different information input. Mm -hmm. Good point. Uh, um, you know, it, the, here's, the, uh, here's the thing that's interesting about this, is that even when people have different information, they sometimes make the wrong decision. Give me, I'll give you an example. The lottery. Okay. We know that the lottery is not going to pay out for you or for I. It's going to pay out for one person and it's going to pay out some percentage of what it's taken in. Right. So we know that it's a losing proposition. You know? Right. Uh, Ralph, can I can I have twenty bucks? Could you give me twenty? Sure. Yeah, no, you won't. You don't have twenty bucks on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All too true. <laughs> so, but uh, you're walking by the the uh, 
the place where you the, the party store that's selling the lottery tickets and you pull out the 20 bucks and you buy 20 bucks worth of lottery tickets even though you know that that money is just going right down the, the pot you know it's just yeah not, yeah uh, and and one of the things i guess that we can say about that is people make the decision to do that i think a lot of people know as you pointed out that the lottery is a chumps game mm-hmm but some of the time, not very often, uh, somebody wins a big pot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you say, why can't that? That could be me. Could be me. Yeah. What and we then, don't get is the fact that there were 10 million people who didn't win the big pot of money. Yeah. You know? And so they give you, they say, oh, the lottery is right now at uh, 460 million. Well, you don't make the cognitive decision uh, that you realize, yeah, but uh, if 10 million people uh, have played for 20 bucks for the last 18 weeks and nobody has won, how much money have they taken in? Uh-huh, yeah. And it's always more than they pay out. Right. And that's where, where uh, you know, the casinos have... Uh, learned this you know many many years ago that uh, uh, and one of the in the, in the learn more uh, one of the uh, videos that I've put up is by Dan Gilbert he's one of uh, uh, the colleagues of Martin Seligman in the positive psychology uh, uh, movement but he has a, a video it's about 30 minutes long but it's well worth it because it's got lots and lots of examples of bad decision-making and okay. why people make make bad decisions. Right. And one of the things uh, that people have, and the lottery is a good example, people have various attitudes about risk and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there are some people who will say, um, well, all the information I have says that smoking tobacco is harmful to my health. Okay. But if uh, one person in a hundred gets lung cancer, uh, I'm going to take the risk that I'm in the 99. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. you're not risk aversive. Okay. I'm not risk aversive. I don't worry about the uncertainty. And maybe 25 years from now, uh, I find out that I have lung cancer. Uh-huh. And a lot of people, if they get that kind of diagnosis, uh, really feel that they, the world has done them dirty. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, why me? Why always me? Well, yeah, but you took the risk. Mm-hmm. You know, and in this case, when it turns around and, and bites you on the sitter, uh, People should be willing to say, well, yeah, I took a risk and it didn't pay off. Yeah. But yeah. they're not. No, no, they're not. And it's it's interesting. We tend to um, want sort of the quick gratification in our society. Uh, we, the, the person that wants to smoke wants to smoke now because of what they're getting and they don't think about 25 years in advance. I was talking to somebody yesterday. And then we were talking about sort of short-term 
decision making, how what you do today, or the decision that you make today, could inter, you know influence you twenty five years down the road. Right. And one of the things, and you've seen this, Ralph, because you've been to China, is that in the Orient, um, uh, China and J Japan, I believe, have don't have ten year plans. They have hundred year plans or five hundred year plans. Yeah. And we don't even know what we're having for dinner tonight. Well, you know, a classic example of uh, of this this is uh, Honda. Yeah. Now, everybody knows Honda automobiles, Honda motorcycles. Right. Um, and you say, well, yeah, where, where did the name come from? Well, it came from one guy whose last name was Honda. Okay. And he set up originally uh, a motorcycle manufacturing plant and he did literally say uh 50 years from now i want honda to be the first name in motorcycles okay and a hundred years from now i want the company to be in the hands of my descendants okay so that's an example now i don't know about you but in north america when people think about motorcycles a lot of people have the first thought of Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson. Yeah. The second thing I think most people think of is, uh, yeah, and if you want a really uh, reliable motorcycle that doesn't leak oil all over your garage, uh, you buy a Honda. Okay, let's see. Let's unpack that a little bit. Jim, he said to himself, what was your first motorcycle? Well, Jim, funny you should ask. Yes, it was a Honda. Ralph, what was your first motorcycle? It was a Honda. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Mr. Honda <laughs> is prescient. Yeah, Yeah. He, he literally set up to make something that was uh, fun, had lots of utility, and was reliable and mechanically sound. Uh-huh. And even the Beach Boys came out with a song about the Honda. Yeah. You know? Not a not a nasty big hog motorbike. I think is somewhere in that song. Yeah, uh, you meet the nicest people on a Honda. So you know they're advertising their uh, their mechanical soundness and so on and so forth. So a lot of people, uh, as Jim and I have just said, uh, ended up buying as their first motorcycle a Honda. Mm -hmm. okay. Now. Neither Jim nor I ride anymore, at least in my case. That's because my wife has said that I can buy another motorcycle as soon as I have a million dollars in life insurance. That <laughs> if she's going to be a widow, she wants to be a rich one. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a decision. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a, a decision, decision yeah. to share that information with you. Yeah. And so, what, uh, in, in some ways, the decision to buy either a Harley or buy a Honda, that's going to be kind of consensus because you're going to have a, a group that you're looking at and you're going to say, well, I, I fit into this particular demographic. And, yeah. And this demographic really likes Harley Davidson motorcycles. Right. Okay. And so I'm going to, if I'm going to buy a motorcycle, I'm going to buy a Harley Davidson. Yeah. And that, uh, that is uh, what, we say in the, the language of psychology that is social and cultural influences. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, so, it's not the, the Hope Diamond in the bottle of water. That's a, a physiological 
thing. Uh, yeah. thing. Yeah, but social and cultural are really, really big when it comes to programming us to make decisions, right? Yeah. Okay. And one of the examples that we see of that now is uh, the decision to buy a car. Do you buy a gas car or do you buy an electric car? Aha, uh -huh, sure. And depending upon your view of global warming and your maybe even your political views i suppose you're going to go one way or, or, the, or other. the other yeah. yeah and it's interesting that although uh and we're not going to go here right now at least there are advantages or disadvantages to each one when you are in this kind of cultural social bind what do you do you know you look at the things that are most salient to you right right and so you could rerun the risk and dan gilbert talks about this of ignoring um information that doesn't fit into your own yeah preconceived stereotype yeah and that's uh that's one of the things that uh you know we find people doing is people who are on the left seek out uh, one set of news sources. People who are on, are on the right to seek out another set of news sources. And today, I don't think we can really say uh, this, is, this is fake news, but we can say, well, your news has a bias one way and my news has a bias the other way. Oh, no, actually what we'd say is my news is actually 100% accurate. accurate and your news has a bias, right? Yeah, yeah. and the problem with, with that for many people is that they look for things that fit their confirmation bias and they never uh, say, okay, I'm going to read uh, some stuff from the right, some stuff from the left and try and put it together in my mind in a way that makes sense. Okay, so we've been looking at decisions, decision-making, right from the very simple and easy decision for Jim picking up a telephone and talking to his wife, uh, to the more complicated one of uh, a husband and wife negotiating how he is going to interact with she upon entering the, the home after a day's yeah, and, work. And, and now the more the, the, the bigger one is the, the social implications of things like whether you believe in and, and make decisions about things like climate change. So and, this is a lot bigger, Ralph, than a 20-minute podcast. Yeah. And to be fair to our listeners, one of the things that I could have said and didn't is that suppose you have also a working spouse and the kid has been with the, the nanny all day long. And then you come home and you're both frazzled. Hey, Ralph. Yeah. I think we have to unpack this one on the next uh, podcast. Next podcast. Okay. Yeah. So two spouses coming home, frazzled, kid. Hmm. This is the, uh, uh, it's got some, some marks of, ugh, I don't know what. Well, potential for conflict. Okay. Well, Ralph, speaking of conflict, keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all, all in this, this 
together. together.